0: Amen, amen. Well, it's good to see everybody this morning. Uh, If you are online with us, then welcome. If you're here in person, welcome also. And I like to see your faces. That's uh, one of the favorite things um, I like to do on Sunday mornings. I get up here and I'm like, oh, hey, I see that person. Glad they're here. So we're getting close to the end of our series. Uh, Oh, if you didn't know, my name's Michael. I'm the pastor here online or in person. And uh, we'll be finishing that up. We're in 2 Timothy today, so you can go and grab your Bibles. Turn to 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. In this series, Enduring Faith, today we'll be looking at bad acts. Bad acts. And the phrase I want you to remember is uh, don't be surprised. Don't be surprised when you see those bad acts. Now, uh, what are we talking about when it comes to bad acts? Well, if you look back to the time when Paul was writing this, uh, we transitioned from 1 Timothy to 2 Timothy. And in 1 Timothy, Paul's relatively free. Uh, he is going about and uh, doing his ministry things. And although he, he gets uh, in trouble from time to time with people and they think that they've uh, hurt him or beat him up or even killed him at times, he gets right back up and he keeps doing his thing. Well, now, uh, if you look at the context of 2 Timothy, Paul finds himself in prison. So he's writing uh, from a location where he's relatively restricted, although he's able to write some things down. Uh, And if you were to look at the last words that people have, especially those uh, the apostles and disciples, they're usually pretty important words. And so these are some last words that uh, Paul has for the church in Ephesus and for Timothy. Uh, And so as we get into this, I was thinking about bad acts, like things that are going on in the world. We could name many of them, I'm sure. Uh, but maybe you think about a movie when you think about a bad act. Or maybe you think about like a performance. I don't know if anybody's been to Broadway. I haven't. That'd be cool. So if you have, um, then uh, I'm sure that was a good experience. But there's always those bad acts, those acts that, you know, maybe somebody comes up with an idea and they think, oh, this is the best idea ever. And then maybe it only plays for a week or four weeks. And so I was wondering about that. And I, I looked up. Some of the worst acts, Broadway musical acts. And so maybe you know some of these. If you like any of these, I apologize. Uh, So coming in at number nine of the worst of all time was The Moose Murders. It only went about a month. It only played about a month. Maybe the name had something to do with that. Uh, And so it went uh, apparently uh, 13 uh, previews, and then it was canceled. Uh, Number eight is Metro. You may have heard of that one. It only went for a month as well, 13 previews. Uh, And typically with Broadway productions, unless they get uh, a certain amount of percentage of attendance to, they'll they'll just cancel them. They say, no, we're not going to keep letting that one go on. And this one had a 35% attendance, and the tickets were $20 a piece. So if you've ever been to Broadway, it's (laughs) really cheap. So there's maybe a reason. Uh, Coming to number seven, uh, Bobby Boland, it starred uh, Farrah Fawcett, a story that she actually came up with, Uh, and um, apparently investors put in $2 million to putting this production on Uh, and then it only went for a uh, relatively short amount of time, again, about a month's time. Now, interesting, if you didn't know about this particular play, they thought it would do really well. Uh, Farrah Fawcett was actually kidnapped by her cab driver uh, before um, this play went on, so they thought that would be a big media thing. It wasn't. Um, The play did not go well, and uh, then it was canceled. Coming to number four, you might remember this one. I'm not exactly sure how you even say this. A BKLNY, um, it was a, a production uh, that centered around um, <clears throat> homeless guys who played trash cans. Now, that, that may sound interesting to you. And it was for a little while. It went from October 2004 to June 2005. But after a while, people just got tired of you're know, in trash cans bang around. So and then, number three uh, is a production called Carrie. Uh, it was, uh, again, it went for about a month's time. And uh, back in the 1980s, 1988, if you go and you look on YouTube, you can still see a few clips from this, Um, but it was actually a production that was taken from a Stephen King novel. So so if you know anything about productions musical, generally they're more upbeat, some are more, they kind of make you think more about the difficult things of life, but uh, they thought we're going to take a horror movie and we're going to turn it into a musical. Um, Apparently that wasn't a good idea either, it was a bad act. Uh, And then uh, one of my favorites, so uh, coming at number two, worst of all time, um, Spider-Man, Turn Off the Dark. I don't know if you remember that when they came out with that production. It was trying to turn the movie into a Broadway musical. Uh, If you saw that and you liked it, I apologize. Um, But as they got through this, they realized people weren't coming to the production to enjoy the music, you know, or the the, the theatrics. They started asking people, why why do you keep coming back? So they actually had relatively decent attendance, and so it went from... uh, uh, June 2011 to January um, 2014, and so they took a poll, why are people coming and seeing this? <laughs> so, and, and 50% of the people said, we just want to see if somebody else is going to get hurt in this performance. Um, so if you remember back to that, uh, it, was, it was on the news, so people, uh, when they started putting this on, people were getting hurt regularly in this production. So they were trying to do the guide wire thing, find Spider-Man over whoever, and people just wanted to come see if somebody else was going to get hurt. So that came in at number two. Um, the last one, I don't know, it doesn't really matter, Dance of the Vampires. I don't know if that means anything to anybody. I don't have any more information on that. So <clears throat> there's a lot of bad acts out right there, right? You know, you go, maybe you go to the movie theater and you hope, man, I'm gonna, this is a really movie I'm looking forward to, and then it just doesn't meet your expectations. Maybe you've been to a Broadway musical and you've shelled out the you know, $100, $200, 300 $400 for a decent seat at Broadway and then you were like, you know what, this just really didn't match up to it. Maybe you went to one of those, and now you know why. Uh, but there are a lot of bad acts that are going on in the world around us, aren't there? Um, there are things that if we were to, you know, what's going on that, that maybe aren't good things, we would think about abortion. Maybe we would think about gender confusion. Uh, we think about genocide, the things that are going on in other countries around the world as people are being victimized, pornography, euthanasia, just general hatred. As I was um, actually going through this uh, This message, I was reading through this text, I thought back to that song by the Black Eyed Peace, Where's the Love? And the truth is, it's kind of non-existent, isn't it? We get mad about things that don't matter, we hate each other, we lash out in violence. And Paul is going to address this not only in the world and why it surrounds us and why it's going to get worse um, as Christ is about to come back, so we need to look forward to this. It's weird. It's like Paul's writing to the church and going, hey, things are going to get worse, but don't worry, it's actually a good thing. Because as things get worse, it leads up to Jesus coming back, okay? So we're going to be in, again, 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 9. And so the main thing I want us to remember is not to be surprised. It's easy to turn on the TV and go, oh, man, that's disappointing. It's easy to go to a movie theater and go, oh, man, that's disappointing. Or wherever else you might go and think, ah, this is maybe not the way that I would like things to be. And so in verse 1, uh, we see this promised difficulty, promised difficulty. If you ever tried to roll a boulder up a mountainside? Which I've never done that, but if you have, then uh, it was probably pretty difficult, right? Well, verse one it says, "But understand this: in the last days there will be time, come times of difficulty." Really? Oh, wait a second. Now, we were hoping we were going to come on this nice fall day. We we're going to hear you know something maybe more encouraging or more positive. Don't worry, it will be. But as we read this, uh, you know, we have to understand what, why Paul is saying this. In fact, Jesus already said this before. If you looked at John sixteen thirty three. He said, I've said these things to you that in me, you may have peace in the world. You will have tribulation, but take heart. I have overcome the world. So the good news for us is, is not that a world that's lost, that doesn't know Jesus is just going to miraculously turn around and get better that people who don't know Jesus are not going to act like they do. Right? So as we look out in the world, we go, okay, I understand why the world is this way. And Paul, in the same way, he's going, Hey, there's going to be difficult times. And if you remember what was going on at the church at the time in Ephesus, uh, Rome, part of Rome had burned down, and Nero, the emperor at the time, blamed it on the Christians. And so this is why there, there was this extensive persecution. This is why people were they were being taken to the stake, and they were being thrown in the Colosseum. And so um, Paul would be saying something there, going, "Yeah, it's been difficult." The church would be going, "It's been very difficult." Now we think about other things when it comes to difficulty. This word in the Greek is kalephos, and it means to um, To be troublesome or dangerous, harsh, fierce, or savage. Well, it's not hard to find, right? You turn on the TV, anywhere we go, there's always difficulty, right? There's something going on and we go, you know, God, if it was just different. The things that um, hurt us the most, we turn on the TV and there's another mass shooting. And it seems like at times now we just go, well, is that more normal than anything? I was... um, Talking with Alana about something the other day, whenever we have to have a difficult conversation or there's discipline, um, she'll always say, "You're breaking my heart, Dad. You're breaking my heart," which as a dad of three girls, you know that's hard to hear, right? So, and um, she said this to me one time. um, It was a particularly difficult situation or conversation we were having, and she said, "My heart's so broken, I don't even have a heart anymore." And um, I I did laugh at first, but I thought, "Oh, she's serious." And so when she said that, and I started thinking about it more, and I was like, man, if that's not a phrase for our time, right? That at times it's like we see things and we're just like, man, our hearts are so broken. It's Like we feel like we don't even have a heart anymore, right? That the world around us is so broken. And Jesus already knew this, right? He knew this for us as believers, that things were going to be difficult. It wasn't going to be easy to be a Christian, right? It wasn't going to be easy to make good choices and to follow God wholeheartedly. Well, what is it going to look like more specifically? Verses 2-4 through uh, kind of outline this for us. It says in verse 2, For people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Augustine, who is church father, put it this way. He said, The times will be dangerous by prophesying that evil men will become more numerous as the days, as the, as the end draws near. So we shouldn't be surprised, right? Even the church fathers, as they were I'm thinking about what Jesus had already done, and they were a lot closer to the life and resurrection of Jesus than we were. And they're writing about these things, and, and here, here's what he said. They're going to be more, more numerous as the end draws near, as Christ's coming, return, draws close to us. We're going to be able to go, okay, I, I understand. It's not that our hearts aren't broken, right? It's not that those things just get better as we see them or we experience them ourselves. But we go, okay, God, we trust you. You have got a better plan here. Uh, I was meeting with um, Greg uh, Dembowski. He's one of our deacons, if you don't know. Um, we were having lunch this week, and we were just kind of talking about the world, like, I mean, just the brokenness. So you can just talk about it at length. And, we, and I, we had this conversation. I don't know who said it, but we were like, what could possibly be the solution to this? What would make things better? And we both agree that outside of some sort of spiritual revival for God's people, that that nothing would make it better, right? So we should just, again, continue to expect to see these things. And it doesn't mean that God can't do something miraculous, that he can't uh, bring his people together and do something amazing, right? But we have to remember that, right? Unless God does something, then what's going to get better? Maybe nothing. And that should still be an encouragement to us. So what should we do in the meantime, right? As we're witnessing all these things, as our hearts are broken, what should our response be? Well... Uh, Paul wrote another letter to a church in Galatia, and he talked about some important concepts. Things that if we were to look out and go, "Okay, the world's broken," we see that, and, and it, it hurts us at times. But where should our hearts, where should our minds, where should our actions be centered? Well, he says this to the church in Galatia in uh, chapter five of Galatians, five twenty-two through twenty-six. But the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Gentleness, self-control. Against such such things, there is no law. And those who belong to Christ Jesus have been crucified. Have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live by the Spirit, let us also keep in step with the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking one another, envying one another. So, what does our life look like? Like when the rest of the world seems like it's caving in, and we're just going like, "What is going on? Like, what is wrong?" What do we focus on? what the life of a believer should look like. And in that way, when the rest of the world is going, this is really messed up, but you guys, something's different. Like, something different is going on here. I don't really quite understand it. Uh, And that should be the great evidence to the rest of the world. Like, as the believers were experiencing this great heartache and trouble in Ephesus, Paul's going, man, it's going to come. But here's the good news. (laughs) That believers look different than the rest of the world, right? So we don't, and and two, we can't be like, hey, this is who we are. We're We're peaceful, we're patient, we're kind you bad people out there, (laughs) what do you have going on? Uh, Should we expect any better for those who don't know Jesus? No, we shouldn't judge, but we should go patiently and kindly. This is who we are, and you can have a piece of this. You can know Jesus, and your life could be changed too, right? Isn't that the good news that we have this to share? We'll keep going, right? So we've got, because we've got this promised difficulty. Verse 5 says, it's talking about those who exhibit these acts that we've Referenced before in the first few verses. It says in verse 5, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power, avoid such people. So this is the difficult part. As we live and we operate in the church, God's got really specific standards that Paul has communicated to us and given to us uh, in the church in Ephesus. This is the way we're supposed to operate. In the midst of that difficulty, don't allow all of that negativity, don't allow all that mistreatment, don't allow all that abuse to take place in the church. When people walk through the door, it doesn't matter what's going on in their lives. Maybe, they're, maybe they know Jesus, maybe they don't. But when they walk in, they should go, wow, this is a really different place. And I feel the love, right? Like we talked about at the beginning. So this isn't a place of bad acts, right? So as, as Paul's going, hey, everything else in the world, it, it's gonna be broken, right? Bad things are gonna happen. In fact, they're gonna get worse. But God's people and the church should look different. So he's gonna talk more about this. There's gonna be two more points um, the first one's going to be about actors. So the second fill-in-the-blank is bad actors. I'm um, going talk about actors and then a different group of people because there's those who, yeah, if you see the picture, it's like, wait a second, <laughs> who's in that group of people? It's a wolf, right? Because when the Scripture talks about somebody who maybe comes into the church and then goes, yeah, I'm a believer, but uh, they don't live like that, and they cause dissension, and they create mistrust, and they lead people in the wrong direction. That's a wolf in sheep's clothing. So we'll talk more about that, but there's bad actors, Right? So Paul wants to address what's going on outside of the church, but also what potentially can take place inside of the church when there's all these other things going on. Okay? Let's take a look at that. Bad actors. In verse six. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sin and led astray by various passions. And so this word here for households um, it can be interpreted a number of different ways, but it can be in reference to a church or a, a gathering of people, a body of believers. And so he says here, for, from among those who creep into households, this could also mean like a family or a grouping of people that get together, but I think here Paul's talking specifically about those in the church. He's going, hey, here's everything that's going on outside of the church. Now when it comes to the church, when it comes to us as a body of believers, how should we live? How should we act? Well, let's be on the lookout <clears throat> because it says, for, for among them who are those who creep into households and capture weak women, burdened with sins, and led astray by various passions. This word here for women, it's this particular word. I, I actually remember the first time that I was reading this passage, and I was actually teaching on it when it came to uh, the youth ministry setting, and Christy asked me, why did it say weak women? <laughs> what about weak men? There's some of those out there too, right? But it says here women, and so this word here, it's actually a specific word in the Greek, and I'll tell you about it, and it uh, just means little women. Not like those little women. you know. I think they made a movie about them too. It's like they're, you know, those, are, those are good little women, right? This is talking about little women in the light of their spirituality. So those who um, would not have a godly man leading, like in their household, those who would be in the church um, and who would maybe be gossiping or causing dissension. And so there's this group of people that Paul's going, hey, don't, don't allow this to take place. There's going to be those wolves in sheep's clothing, and they're going to be leading people astray, and they're going to be looking for who they can pick off. I don't know if you've ever seen, like, probably not, unless you watch, like, um, you know, National Geographic, and there's like a wolf, like, trying to pick off somebody in the pack. But but what do they do? They generally look towards somebody on the outskirts, maybe somebody who's hurt, who's weakened, somebody that. Uh, and by the way, there shouldn't be this in the church either, right? Somebody who's maybe weak or um, who's kind of on the outskirts, who doesn't really feel like anybody cares about them or loves them. And what does the wolf do? He zeroes in on that person, right? And he grabs him and he says, can, Is there any way I can pull them away from this truth, from the family of faith? Shame on us if there's anybody like that here. There shouldn't be, right? If anybody walks in our doors and belongs to Jesus and wants to be a part of our family, then man, we, should, we should grab them and say, Hey, how can we help you? How can we uh, walk you along this journey? So Jesus said something along these lines in Matthew 7. We always seem confused about this, and and I've talked about it many times before, but um, we should always be on the lookout. We should always be protecting those that are in the family of faith. So God doesn't say, hey, don't welcome people, right? But if somebody comes in and says, hey, I belong to Jesus, I know God, and then their lifestyle and their words don't match up, and they're hurtful, and they mistreat people, that's not a good thing, right? And so Paul says, hey, hey, we need to avoid, we need to avoid those kind of people. We need to be protecting the flock, right? It's not as popular in church today. It's like, we should love everybody, yes. Yes. But I just talked about this with our deacons as we are praying for the church. And what's one of our responsibilities? To protect the people, right? To be on the lookout. So you may not be aware that that that's going on, uh, but it's always going on, okay? Because we care about you and we love everybody who's here. And then in verse seven, it says, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. Um, So there's this person who comes in and while we experience difficulty in the church, there's, there's gonna be those bad actors who come in while we say, the world is broken, but God's church. He's formed in a particular way. And as people try to infiltrate, because it happens all the time, and we say, hey, you either know Jesus or you don't. Let's not pretend and then cause problems. Because it says here, always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. You can know stuff, but maybe not know God. It's a difference between the heart and the head knowledge. So there are those who would say, you know, yeah, I know about Jesus, but then their lives haven't been transformed, right? Their hearts haven't changed. Nothing has gone on that's been any different in their lives. And so Paul said, hey, we need to be on guard here. And Jesus gave us some important words too here. So we've got the promised difficulty that's going to come. We've got these bad actors. But then I think there's another group, and and maybe more confused group than anything, which we need to be um, caring about and loving on. Um, This is last one, bad posers. Now, when you see the picture, um, when it comes up, I was working on this. Um, there are those who, yeah, there it is. Um, at times, I think we feel like this, this is us, right? So th- this is not meant to be like, you know, hey, when you walk into church and it's not been a good week, and you walk in, and you're like, hey, everybody, but it's been bad, and you're like, I'm just smiling, but I don't really mean it, right? You're smiling through your teeth. Uh, and so this is, this is not who we're talking about here, and this is not who God's talking about through uh, Paul in the text of the church in Ephesus. So um, <clears throat> there are those who would come and maybe just be confused, right? not just having a bad day and they know Jesus, but come in and be like, I, I think I know Jesus, but they don't really. And so um, here's what it says here. And this is an Old Testament example uh, that Paul's using. And it says in verse 8, Just as Janus and John were opposed Moses, so these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified regarding the faith. So what are we supposed to do in response to people like this? Well, we talked about it several weeks ago. I mentioned this passage, um, Janice and John Briss, um, If we didn't know, in the Old Testament, there were these guys who were like magicians for Pharaoh. And so Moses and Aaron come in there, and um, Aaron's doing the speaking thing. They got their staff, and the magicians go. This is like kind of a first encounter. And, and Pharaoh, who believes he's a god, uh, and these guys who are kind of bolstering up his position, Janice and John Briss, they go, uh, we can do something. You know, you can't. Your God can't match this. And so they, they make the snakes out of the staffs. What happens? Well, Aaron's staff, what happens with it? Becomes another snake, and it gobbles up the other ones, right? I love that story. The kids like it, too. Also a little scary. <coughs> and so these guys are there, and they're like, we can one-up God. We're better than God. In fact, we have a God. His name's Pharaoh. But then... He really wasn't, right? And God systematically, the one true God, proved that he wasn't throughout that. And Paul mentions this, these guys, and he's like, it's like Jonathan Jambres who opposed Moses. So these men also opposed the truth, men corrupted in mind and disqualified um, regarding the faith. So we're on the lookout, right, for bad actors, right? We welcome everybody. If you don't know Jesus, then come in, and, and there's an opportunity for you to know him personally, and your life could be transformed. But again, that's this, it's this change from the head knowledge of, yeah, I think I know about God, To your heart, do you really believe that Jesus is the one who came and he died on the cross for your sins and was raised on that third day so that you could have eternal life? If you don't believe that, or maybe, I don't know, maybe you've just been coming and you're like, yeah, I feel like church is the right thing, or maybe it's a popular thing to do. What I really want to convey is it's better to make sure you know Jesus than maybe pretend that you do. And that may sound harsh, but the truth is, I don't want to skirt the truth, right? As Paul says this to the church, In Ephesus, there's something important that we need to remember. And maybe you don't see yourself, well, I'm not corrupted in mind. I'm coming to church for a reason. But do you really know God? I think that's the question here. Um, Because there are those who will say, oh, well, that's popular right now. I'll kind of jump on the bandwagon. Um, But but he elaborates a little bit further. And so he says here in verse 9, But they will not get very far, for their folly will be plain to all, as was that of these two men. Now, if you read um, some other scholarly sources, some will say that Janus and John these guys they were kind of slimy. They were kind of scaly. They were guys who, uh, if you looked at them, they, they, would be, they would be doing that thing for the Pharaoh, but then if, some, if the tide turned, they would be like somebody who would go, hey, what's the next best thing? We've got to get on that train. We've got to get on this one, right? So they, they weren't faithful in any stretch of the imagination. And I read a few commentaries from some guys who said uh, it was likely that these two guys, when things went really bad, they jumped on the bandwagon, You know, they, they pulled over the hood, and they like, followed God's people, you know? Through the sea, and then at some point, the air of their ways became very clear. And they, they really weren't dedicated to God. They really weren't following Him. And they were like, hey, aren't you Janice and Jambres? <laughs> yeah, you aren't serious about God. And so I don't know if that's true. I read some articles on that um, indicating that. But as I was closing out the text, I was thinking about the bills, too. Now how do you ask? How does that relate? <laughs> Well, I was thinking about like the whole Bill's Mafia thing. And, and when we got here, and I had heard about this because as Christy and I met in Texas and we're going to school, um, she kind of told me about the atmosphere here. And it's, all, it's, it's kind of like here, like everybody's Cowboys fan. She's like, no, it's different. <laughs> it's different. And I didn't really understand it until I came here because I think when, we, when we're reading what the text says, it's more clear when we think about maybe fair weather fans, right? Um, as I was growing up in the 90s, everybody always asked me, were you a Cowboys fan? You grew up in the 90s? I'm like, well, I liked watching Troy, you know, uh, Smith, and, or Emmett Smith, and Troy Aikman, and um, like watching those guys, it was just cool, right? It was a different time of football, too. Too many prima donnas right now. And <laughs> sorry, this is true. And uh, so, uh, you know, growing up then, I was like, yeah, of course, you know, I like them, but um, then I didn't think about the Bills during that time, right? That was a tough season, wasn't it? Like the Super Bowl losses and all that, And and then I was going, man, those guys were really dedicated, like they weren't fair-weather fans. And that's one of the things I noticed. Is like when we moved here, of course, they're doing better now. But all those people who were a part of that, right? The Bills Mafia who were fans then, they're fans now, right? And so allegiance doesn't change over time. And that's what Paul was trying to say to the church. He's going like, look, you guys can't be fair-weather fans because difficulty is going to come. And there are going to be people who are going to come in and, and something is going to look better to you, right? When people are persecuting you and people are going like, hey, I don't know if you want to follow Jesus because you might get drugged out of your house in the middle of the night oh, okay, well, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not sure if I'm really on the team then. And so you would really have to answer that question. And then there would also be those who would come in and go, they wouldn't say they were bad actors. They would pull the sheep's wool over, right? And they'd say, ah, oh, I'm part of the team. Eh. Maybe things are going better now, and, but they would cause dissension. So Paul was saying we need to be on the constant lookout for this. And there were those who maybe just more confused, right? Coming in, like I, uh, maybe they think they know the truth, but they're not sure. And so, I don't know, maybe uh, you're here today, and, and you're like, I'm, I'm just not sure, and maybe I'm not actively, like, I'm not trying to cause dissension. I'm not well, like one of those guys that Paul was talking about, um, but I genuinely want to be a part of a community, I want to be a part of something better, I want to be, I don't want to be a Fairweather fan, right? I want to belong to Jesus, and the truth is, there are going to be plenty of times and it will be easy to be a Fairweather fan, right? It'd be easy to go, the team doesn't seem like it's winning, <laughs> Maybe we, need to, maybe we need to jump ship and, and grab onto something else. But it's not what God has for us, right? So in the midst of the difficulty, God's got encouragement for us, and he reminds us there's some people we need to be on the lookout for, those who would cause dissension and who will never change, right? And then those who maybe just are in the church and they need some help, they need some encouragement. Maybe they're not sure if they belong to Jesus and, and just need to say, hey, here's the good news, and here's what the gospel is, and you can know it. So where are you at today? I don't know. And I want to share this because I always do. Uh, Because it's one of the most important things that we believe here. It's that Jesus died for your sins on the cross. That if you would admit that, say, hey, look, I can't do this on my own. It's like there's not a day that goes by that goes, I can do this on my own, right? If you'd believe in what Jesus has done for you on the cross, that he lived this in this life, that he died on the cross for your sins, that he rose from the grave on that third day. The good news is the scripture tells us it's ABC. It's easy, right? ABC. The last thing is if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord. It's not, it's not enough just to like come in and be like, yeah, I think I'm a Christian or you know, I think I want to be a part of this. You actually have to say something. You have to tell somebody. And so that's why we're here. I'd love to talk with you about that afterwards. If maybe that's you and you're just like, I don't know. I just want to make sure. I just want to talk to somebody about that. So wherever you find yourself today, um, within the difficulty, with seeing the things that are going on in the world, I want to um, close us with an opportunity. and It's something we've done the last couple of weeks just uh, to pray. Um, just to pray and to ask God for some help because I think we need it. We all need it every single day. Um, But I want us to hone in on this right now. So um, this is just going to be a guided prayer time. We've done it the last couple of weeks. Um, I'm going to mention something, and I just want you to pray for that on your own. It'll be three things, and then uh, I'll close this, okay? Uh, Here's the first thing. Um, God, would you help us to navigate the difficulty going on around us, trusting you. So let's pray for that. I'll give you a few moments. The second thing is to, God, would you help us be aware of bad actors, maybe those around us um, who would claim to know something about you but not really know you. Um, Help us to recognize that and um, find out how to be closer to you further away from those. Here's the last thing. Uh, God, we pray for those who might find themselves as posers. Um, those who would uh, maybe realizing, realize that pretending is not good enough. Um, and no one's here to judge that for you or anybody else. I just want us to pray for that for us and for others. God, that we'd be true believers. Let's pray for that. God, we come to you today. We're thankful for your word, um, how it encourages us, how it reminds us that things will not always be easy. In fact, you said things would be difficult. And so we we pray as we think about all the other bad acts and the things going on around us. um, God, that you would um, not insulate us, not keep us from even our hearts breaking over these things. That proves that we care for what you care about, uh, but that you would help us um, recognize those things um, help us to... Uh, do what you want us to be doing. Help us to walk in the Spirit, the fruits of the Spirit, um, that a world around us might see something different, and that those who would walk in that would be bad actors, those who would want to actively cause dissension, um, that we would recognize that easily because of the way that we live. Um, God, for those who who need hope, who need to understand who you truly are, those who might find themselves posing, uh, maybe somebody for years, um, God, we just pray that um, you'd help us understand and make sure that's not us, and for those who are struggling, God, maybe for those who, who just need encouragement, I pray that we could be that to them today. Um, God, that this would always be a safe place, a place for your people um, who love you. And help us to uh, continue um, in this as we grow closer to you. We pray that you would allow us to not be um, those fair weather fans. Um, help us to be fans who are always faithful, always true to you. And it's your name we pray. Amen. Well, love you, too.